Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Uh, it's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with uh, Mr. Alan Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, next few hours, we got a lot of stuff to get through uh, in a short period of time. we got two hours now. We do, we, yeah. We get through all this. You think we can get through all this in two hours? I think so. Because we got a lot of stuff here. You know, we got stacks and stacks of paper. And I just found something out is that Alan has a little bit of OCD. <laughs> because my area... It took you 10 years to figure that out. Because my area is a little bit messy. And my, Alan's mine is, is the, very Very stacked, neat. Neat. Everything's at the right angle. Right, it is. You're just ready to go. I'm just going to just throw stuff out there. And <laughs> you, you're going to get all messed up. You'll be like, wait a minute. Hey, that wasn't on the schedule. That wasn't on the schedule. That was not on the agenda. Yeah. A um, few things here before we dive in, Al, is that... This whole Department of Labor deal. Oh, boy. You're going to go there, huh? I just want to vent for just 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> okay. And it's a really good thing, right? I think it's that, all right, well, now for retirement plans, and this is not going to happen until probably 2018 if it does happen. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I guess the insurance companies are already fighting it, but it's supposed to start at least somewhat by April of 2017. Okay. And basically for your IRAs and 401ks and things like that is that there's now a, a fiduciary standard. Yeah, which means that your advisor has to act in your best interest, not just their best interest, which sure. you would think is already the case, but actually it's not. I think it is in most cases. I think most people are, uh, most advisors are honest, yes, but we have a system that doesn't necessarily require uh, the advisor to, to put the client first. But here's the problem, I think, is that they're focusing maybe um, on the wrong thing, in a sense. Okay. okay. Because now I'm hearing, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, I listen to the radio, you know, and the commercials and all the different finance. And our, our firm, Pure Financial Advisors, full disclosure, is a fee-only fiduciary. We're a fee-only financial planning firm. We don't sell any products. There's never a commission generated to our firm. But... I mean, we're, I think what we want to hang our hat on is the strategy that we put together for our clients, right? Yeah. Because I hear this, you know, hey, well, I'm a fiduciary. You got to work with me. And he, he doesn't know his head from his behind. You know what I mean? And well, so now people yes. will probably hire, and if it's a commission broker that knows financial planning, that can help people out with their social security strategies to create the retirement income, to save money in taxes. You know what I mean? A doll bar just came out with a study, right? So they do this every year, and they take a look at the average investment versus the average investor return. And so over the last 30 years, the S&P, or, or just called the U.S. stock market, has performed, and I'm going to just do rough numbers, about 10.5%, while the average investor does 3.5%. Right. So it's a 6% differential here, 7% differential, right? So wh what is going on? Do you, and I, t I talk about this in the classes that I teach, is that I go through all the different products available. You can go into a mutual fund. You can go to exchange-traded fund, index funds, um, um, a separate managed account to an annuity to whatever, right? The, the good, the bad, the ugly of all the different products. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what product people gets in, get into because it's their own 
detriment that they blow themselves up. Yeah, it's, it actually becomes less important, right? Because, I mean, so retail mutual fund, the according so, to... So, yeah, I'm paying 1.5% in fees versus 20 bips in fees. That's right. So but you, I'm still losing 6% of the market because I'm getting right. onto the market at the wrong time. That's exactly right. You could save a percent by getting into low-cost funds, but if you're getting in and out at the wrong time, as you just showed us, it's a 6 or 7% problem. So I'm listening to this podcast. This guy's fee-only advisor does not have any credentials, right? And he's a DFA advisor, so I understand the investment philosophy very well. But he's taking calls on his radio program, right? And so, you know, this lady's calling in, and she's like, well, here, well, you know, I just retired, and I want to put my money into a Roth IRA. Oh, no, you can't put any money into a Roth IRA. You need to earn income. And I'm just it's, I'm pulling my hair out. I'm like... How can you give advice on the radio when you don't even know the tax law? Right. And then he's like, well, tell me more. Well, do you already have money in a Roth? Yeah, I have 30 grand in a Roth IRA. Well, where's it held? Well, it's at Primerica. Oh, my God, you got to get the hell out of that. You're paying way too much in fees. And I'm like, just it, whatever. So I think now people are using this whole fiduciary as a marketing ploy in a sense. Right. I would agree with you. Where it's like, okay, well, here, I think people should look at, all right, what is the competency level of the individual given the advice? Right. Right. And then have full disclosure. If they get paid a commission, if they get paid a fee, if they get paid whatever, right? And then work on it on that basis. Yeah. Look for a credentialed professional, a yeah. CPA, a CFA, a certified financial planner, right? A chartered financial consultant or something like that that has the knowledge in the background to help people grow and understand where they need to put their money to, to get the best bang out of their buck. Yeah, I guess the way I like to say it is is you start with a fee-only fiduciary firm, but that's just the foundation. I mean, over and above that is the the quality of the advice, as you just said, Joe. And it's and it's you want to have an advisor that can really understand cash flow needs uh, throughout retirement, um, taxes to save money in taxes, and then how the investments all fit together. And you want an advisor that's that's going to be kind of a, a coach for you, a quarterback, if you will, because you can set up a plan, and six months later everything changes. You know, this happens that what wasn't expected. Maybe you thought you're going to work till age 67, and you're six. And you got laid off, right? And so, okay, we got to rework the plan. You need to have an advisor that really understands all this thing. And and you're right, the um, this new Department of Labor rule. So it's all about trying to get everyone, all the advisors, to be fiduciaries to look out in their clients' which I best interests. Admirable. Which, I think that's the, the which, right direction. Which is right, correct. But that is not the end all. And right. I think that's what you're saying. Correct. That's uh, to me. That's the starting point. Then it's like, all right, now that we were kind of getting a little bit more on the same page we're all acting as fiduciaries and which we've been acting for decades but that's that's another story but at any rate it's it's then it's, it's all about the advisor what's their competence level and how can they help you and do they understand and are tax they worth law? their fee right Right. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Right. And if they're not, then, you know, then don't use an advisor. If they are, then use one. Right. You know? So, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of really, really good financial advisors out there. Um, and it's it's now that, well, just because I'm, uh, I think most advisors, I've been in this business a long time. You've been in this business a long time. We've seen some bad eggs. Of yes, course we, we have. have. Sure. You know, but for the majority, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of really good financial professionals out there that do really good work. Uh, but then now you're getting this other group coming in in the sense of saying, hey, now I'm a fiduciary, but I have zero experience. I have no idea with taxes and things like that. But it might be in your best interest, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know if that's in your best interest. 
That doesn't sound like it's in your best <laughs> I interest, don't think does it? So. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Right here, you know, invest in index funds. Okay, well, yeah, well, oh, yeah, we believe that you know having a passive approach, low cost, is a way to go. But you have to structure the portfolio appropriately for their given needs and wants and what the, what what type of income they're trying to generate. Right. And try to save money in taxes along the way and making sure that you have the appropriate sell strategy, rebalancing tax management, tax loss. I mean, there's so much more that goes into this versus you know touting, hey, I'm I'm working with. Uh, dimensional fund advisors, and I'm a fee-only planner, so you should work with me. Right. Yeah, that's, to, to me, again, that's that's a baseline. That's your starting point. So, and I don't know. I just listened to this guy on the way into the office, or in the, in, in the way into the studio. And it, Got it. It, it got, just, you, got you riled up. It did it. So now we're off schedule, because that, that I know, the whole segment our, shot. Our first segment says, brief, <laughs> brief discussion about how retirement has changed. <laughs> retirement has changed, Alan. It has changed. We're living to age 100. Got it. All right. So next segment. All right. We're yeah. good. Just getting started. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out online if you'd like at purefinancial.com, P-U-R-E, financial.com. Uh, log in to our podcast, too podcast al yes we're big time big time on the podcast your money your wealth you can, itunes you can go into itunes and type in your money your wealth and there we pop up but made it a lot easier yeah because sometimes it's hard to figure that stuff out it is you can just go to pure financial advisors go to the podcast section of the website and say register here put in your email address and all of a sudden you're registered oh that's but then it, it comes yes. to your phone right. or something like that right. i don't know how it works right but that's what i was told <laughs> Uh, do you have the podcast, our podcast, on your phone? No. You don't? Hell no, no. I do. I listen to a lot better. <laughs> better shows? Yes, than that drive me nuts. <laughs> I oh. have to fast forward our show. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, hey, um, age 100, Alan. That's it's... the new 60. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not 60, but it's the new 80. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> We do, uh, we do find out that uh, we are living longer, right, Joe? So mm-hmm. here's the stats, and they're changing rapidly. <laughs> yes. 2015, there's uh, 400, about 451,000 people in, in the United States over age 100. They call them centurions. Yes. And by 2050, they estimate uh, it's going to be about 3.7 million. Wow. So quite a bit more. Although, before you get too carried away with this, at the moment, there's only about seven centurions per 10,000 adults. So it's not like it's a huge... Epidemic. (laughs) (laughs) But it it is growing because by 2050, they think it's going to be about 24 centurions to 10,000 adults. Huh. Yeah. What's the oldest person you know? The oldest person I know... Uh, gosh, let me think. <laughs> she just passed away. <laughs> so that doesn't she was count. 94. That doesn't count. I'll have to think about that. Uh, how about you? Yeah. Um, that's alive. Yeah. Um, me? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Big Al. I don't know. Probably, um, high eighties. I would say yeah. high eighties. Yeah. My grandmother died at 95, 94. Right. 
Um, I remember a birthday party a few years back. It was, you know, she was still drinking beers and smoking cigarettes. Sure, yeah. We had to go to the VFW in Tucson, Arizona. It was just the dirtiest place ever. That was where the party was? Yeah, because you okay. could smoke, I guess. So she had to have <laughs> You're her allowed cigarettes. to smoke in the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> no. But in the VFW, you oh, could. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. got it. 90. Yeah. You know, partying like a rock star. It's like, yeah. oh, Grandma, go, go for it. I was like, well, are you just... thinking about quitting smoking? She looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. She's like, I'm 90. You know, there's uh, life expectancy calculators out there. Yes, I yeah. do and I, believe I just... I, just, uh, I just took one, actually, last week, as a matter of fact. Okay. And, uh, you took one last year, too. I did. Now, this one was better, though. This, I are you, mean, the, are the you one living I... longer now? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a much better uh, calculator. <laughs> So, well, the one I, I mean, the, the first one I took maybe a year ago, it, it asked me like two questions and then spits out the answer. This one was pretty in depth. I mean, how many beers do I drink a night? And really? Do I smoke? And what, what do, do what? I have high blood pressure? And uh, all this stuff. Anyway, I'm going to live to 94, it says. Huh. Yeah, so I'll be around a while. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> what, um, how many questions did it ask you? Uh, did it take you an hour? I had half an hour, I bet you. I was probably 50, you know, maybe not 50 questions, but probably 30 questions at least. Wow. Yeah, maybe more. Do yeah. you need to know your blood type? And... No, didn't need to know that. But, I, yeah, you have to know <laughs> what ailments you have. I got it. Or family history. Sure. Yeah, right. So, anyway, that's pretty good. But more importantly, uh, did you know, Joe, there's a new world record in the 100, uh, I mean, in the... Um, 100-yard dash? 100-yard dash. Yeah. Yeah. Ida Keeling. I read that. Yeah. She's uh, broke the record for 100-year-olds. And this is recently. This was in uh, just a few weeks ago in Philadelphia in the Penn Relays. And so she she ran the uh, 100-meter run in a minute and 17 seconds. (laughs) And that was the world record. Wow. And what's funny, I watched it on YouTube. Oh, you did? Yeah, because the actual, so this was, everyone was 80 and above. Okay. So the real winner was Ed Cox. He was 88 years old. He got, he finished in less than 18 seconds. Oh, like, really? That guy was whipping by, <laughs> and some other older guy was behind him, and then, then there was another wave of people, and then all of a sudden there was this kind of slow gal. I thought, oh, that's got to be Ida, and she caught, and then, no, she finished the line, and then way in the distance, there comes Ida, just a little, power, the line, little huh? power walk. <laughs> well, that's cool. 100 she years made old? It. 100 years old. And yeah. her coach was her daughter, right? Yes. So her coach has got, what well, she's got to be 80. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be up there. Right? It's probably 70s anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, boy, so you can break records even when you're 100, huh? Yeah, I read she started running like in her late 60s. Yeah, 67 is when she started running. She started doing 5Ks at that point. And she's, here's, here's the secrets, her, her secrets. Uh, eat for nutrition, not for taste. Okay? Is that you do that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I, just, I don't know. All right. Do, do what you need to do, not what you want to do. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound like you. <laughs> that stinks. <laughs> and make sure you exercise at least once every day. Yeah, you pretty much do that. I do. I yeah, do exercise. You're, you're, you're good at that. So there you go. Yeah. I got a pretty good diet on Monday through Friday. Yeah, for a five day good diet? <laughs> yes. The weekend doesn't count. Yeah, wheels come off. Mulligan. Yes. Got it. So, um, hey, uh, we, man, we're just going to be way behind, Al. <laughs> we haven't even finished the first segment. This, this whole... And now we're done with two. Uh, all right. Well, Aaron, let me bust through a couple of different things that I found interesting. This was um, by Jonathan Clements. He's 
a great writer, and uh, now he writes for Financial Planning Magazine. And um, he goes, are your clients sabotaging their overall retirement? Ooh. So we, there, there was a couple of different quick things here, realities versus myths. Okay. And I'll just share three quick realities, and then I'll come back and talk a little bit about the myths. But the um, reality one, clients retire with, and, and of course, he's writing to financial advisors. Clients retire with the nest egg they have, not the one they want. So... How true is that, right? It's true. <laughs> is that when you look at people's savings, right? Is that, all right, well, here, I want to retire at a certain age, but they really don't understand how much money it's actually going to take them to provide them a retirement income stream to last them the rest of their lives. And I think most of the time they find out too late where now they're retired and then they start taking distributions from their overall retirement account, and they're like, well, wait a minute. This is not going to last yeah. me nearly as long as I anticipated. Yeah, I had 100000 I got 90, 80, 70, uh, Right, 60. it's like, where's the money going? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not even a year in. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what the? <laughs> Man, maybe having a distribution strategy might have made some sense. Um, number two in uh, is a, with, a withdrawal rate of 4% or less may be prudent, but it simply isn't enough. You know, you take a look, you got a million bucks right now. If you look at Dr. Fowl that yeah. we had on this. Wade. <laughs> yeah, Wade. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, here, it's probably closer to 3%, 2.85% in his last Is study. what he came up with. All right, so you you save a million dollars, right? You're, you're you're a millionaire. You could produce 28,000 bucks from that overall portfolio. Yeah, now that's, that's conservative, but that was what he came up with in his study. You don't think people are going to be a little bit disappointed? Wait a minute, Flopine. <laughs> I got a million bucks. You're saying I can only spend 28 grand? I want to spend 100 grand a year. I want to spend 100 grand a year because that's what people think. They can spend about 10% of what they want, mm -hmm. of, of what they have. Right. Because, oh, average rates of return. But you know what? I want to deplete the overall asset. All right. We'll be back in just a second. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with my partner, Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Uh, we're talking about retirement planning. A um, whole bunch of good stuff today. Don't fall for these three retirement myths, Alan. Okay. When you approach retirement, they? there's some myths out there. Okay. Number one, you'll spend less. So you may not spend less. I don't think so. Yeah. I think most of our clients, and we have, what, 1,600 clients, and we probably helped another few thousand sure. on top of that. I would say most of the people that listen to this radio program, when they retire, they'll probably spend a little bit more money. Yeah, I would say so, too. Particularly, Joe, in the first few years when yeah. they want to travel more. Right. You got all this time. Right. It's right. like, now what do I do? Yeah. Shop. <laughs> uh, number two, you cannot live off of Social Security alone. Uh, the reality is Social Security is only designed to re replace about 40% of your pre-retirement income since... Your living costs won't necessarily go down in retirement. Relying on Social Security alone will leave you with a 60% gap. You have to figure out what is the game plan. Because, you know, we, we talked about this in an earlier segment. It was like, you know, people's nest egg is a lot smaller than it needs to be, but they don't realize it until they start tapping into it. Right, until it's too late. Until yeah. it's too and late. So, and a lot of people then end up going back to work. Which isn't because I mean, if you think about it, a hundred thousand, two hundred—that's a lot of money, right? Yeah, you would think so. A lot of people I mean, don't have at, a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting in their checking account. You're at two hundred thousand, Joe. You're well ahead of the averages, right? 
Well, well, because it's we know the averages below a hundred thousand. But that's not nearly enough for most people to, that to listen live, to this program to live the lifestyle that you want to live. Sure, right? Because I mean, we use the the four percent rule of thumb, and as you mentioned before, that might even be too high. But four percent rule of thumb and against two hundred thousand dollars—that's eight thousand dollars per year—is all you can spend and have the have that likely last for at least twenty five years. Yeah, that, that portfolio. Um, here's probably the biggest myth: is that you won't have to pay taxes. Yeah, actually, it's interesting. We do hear that a lot. I think some, I mean, a lot of people know that they put money to their 401k and when they take it out, they got to pay taxes. But I got to tell you, I bet you a third of the people we talk to are shocked that they have to pay taxes on their 401k income. Right. It's like, well, wait, I thought it was his capital gains or I, I thought. Yeah. The, I, what, what, wait, it's what? retirement. Why do I have to pay taxes in retirement? Right. I always thought I was going to be in a lower tax bracket or pay very little money in tax. Yeah. And what we're finding is that taxes are probably one of the largest expenses that people pay in retirement. And then we get a lot of calls over the last couple of weeks when it comes to the taxation of Social Security, because it's this funny thing. And there's been several different academic papers and the, the Journal of Financial Planning just did a really good another white paper on it as well. And um, what we're, they're calling it, what, the tax torpedo, right. right? Once you get into these certain thresholds of income, um, your Social Security tax or, or the tax of your, uh, the, the taxation of your Social Security can go up to 50% or 85% or 85% of your Social Security is subject to tax. So what happens when you add a dollar of income, then another dollar is added to the overall equation, which blows up your tax bracket um, in a significant way. Um, so you have to have a little bit of a plan in place to avoid some of this crazy taxation when it comes to um, Social Security. Yeah, and that happens because you'll be in the 15% tax bracket, which you're thinking, all right, I, that's not too bad. And plus, Social Security, at worst case, 85% of that is taxable, and that 85% is taxable at a 15% tax rate. So you're thinking, all right, and plus... Social Security income is tax-free in the state of California, so that's pretty good. So you're thinking, uh, this doesn't sound too bad. And then you retire, maybe at your age 67, and that's the main source of your income. Maybe you got some savings, you're living off savings for a while until you have to start tapping your IRAs, your 401ks. And so you think, wow, this, uh, this whole thing about retiring and taxes really are lower. And uh, but then what? Here's what happens: you hit seventy and a half, and then you are required to take money out of your four hundred one k's and your IRAs. That's a required minimum distribution. Starts about three point seven percent. Let's call it four percent. So if you got a million dollars in your four hundred one k, you got to take out about forty thousand dollars. And here's what happens: is now all of a sudden that social security income, maybe a lot of that wasn't taxed because you didn't have very much income. So this not only is the forty thousand dollar required minimum distribution taxed, but that that income makes a bunch of your Social Security income now suddenly taxable. So no, you're actually not in a 15% bracket. In fact, when you do the math, you'll take a look. Yeah, I did pay 15% on that 40000 but now I'm paying another between 7 and 12% on the Social Security. So in some cases, we see people in a 28% tax bracket, even though they thought they were in the 15% bracket. Right, double. Double, and you are in the 15% bracket. It's just that with this extra income, more of your Social Security income is taxable, and that's the weird thing. So an extra dollar of income from your IRA makes maybe up to 85 cents of your Social Security income taxable. That's why we get these ch crazy tax brackets. And so what people ought to be looking at uh, 
for all people, but particularly if you've just retired and you're not yet 70 and a half, you got to start looking at getting money out of your IRAs and your 401ks. you got to put it in a, in a Roth IRA. That's called a Roth conversion. And it's not widely known yet, Joe, that anyone can convert. You don't have to be working. Right. You can When you're retired, you can convert. Now, you can't contribute. That's different. You have to be working to contribute. But to convert, that's taking money out of your IRA, 401k. You can convert that at any age, at any income level. That's new to 2010. Before that, they said you had to make less than $100,000 to do a conversion. And so a lot of you are thinking, well, I'm, my accountant always said I, sh- I didn't qualify. And that could be true. But now everybody qualifies and everybody should be looking at it. Right. Because when you look at the taxation on Social Security, it's based on provisional income. Right. And so what provisional income is your modified adjusted gross income with add backs. The add back would be half of your Social Security benefit plus any municipal interest and some other miscellaneous stuff. But what is not included in that is what? Um, um, Roth IRA income. Correct. Right. And if you tax manage, let's say if you have a, a trust account or personal account, if you tax manage that appropriately, some of that income could come to you tax free. Right. And so you have to have a withdrawal strategy, understanding how taxation is going to be on your Social Security. And you can set yourself up in such a way where you can avoid some of this like tax torpedo. The provisional income, if it's between $25,000 and $34,000 as a single filer, 50% of your benefit is subject to tax. It's $32,000 to $44,000 as a joint filer. Once you're over 34000 or 44000 then 85% of your benefit is subject to tax. So if I'm looking at, hey, if I have a, a benefit of Social Security of $40,000 with my wife and I, right? So $20,000 a piece, that's forty grand. So they add back in $20,000 into my provisional income. But now let's say if I can create um, another, let's say $10,000 from my retirement account, right? That would not be included. But plus you have your itemized deductions, exclusions, and exemptions. So you could probably pull out a couple of different you know, just just maneuvering your assets in a way where you potentially could get yourself out of the whole Social Security tax torpedo if you do the right plan. Yeah, that is right, Joe, and and that that really it and it's the kind of thing if you're. Um it, it works best if you're maybe in your 60s and you got several years before 70 and a right. half. But but there's also strategies. If you're in your 70s right now, we've seen numerous strategies to at least take a little bit out each year. And and so there's maybe a little bit of pain for a little while, but you're already over this tax torpedo threshold. And then what happens is now you can start getting below it by getting some Roth conversions. Because you're right, most everything is included in provisional income except Roth income. In other right. words, taking money out of a Roth IRA is tax-free. Taking money out of your savings account is tax-free. If you sell stocks at a gain and you have other losses that offset against that, that's tax-free. There's lots of ways to create tax-free income to keep less of your Social Security taxable. But you just have to understand what those strategies yeah, are. Yeah, you look at the threshold and you say, okay, well, here, I have this much room before I hit that provisional income mark. Right, where then fifty percent or eighty-five percent of that number is going to be taxed. Well, maybe you can't get. Um, maybe you just stick at the fifty percent tax. Well, fifty percent tax is a lot better than if eighty-five percent was taxed. Yeah, you bet. And it's uh, to me, it, it when you're talking taxes and social security, income distribution strategies, it's all about taking control of what's rightfully yours. Right. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. We'll be back in a second. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio seven sixty KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm with Big Al. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, go to our website, if you like, at purefinancial.com. Get a little bit more information about us. We are a fee-only registered investment advisor. I'm a certified financial planner. Big Al's a CPA. Uh, we manage about $1.3 billion of client assets. Um, 
So there's more accolades and all that other stuff. You can kind of browse our website to learn all about the great accomplishments of We have a whole, whole section on, on our accomplishments, do we? Yes. And they, on the website, yeah. Yeah, it's our Dig Me, Dig Me page. What's it called? What? Have you never heard of that? No. Oh. You don't got a, like a Dig Me wall? Dig Me? At home? Yeah. All, all, my, your, all my certificates. Your eighth and, place <laughs> medals. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was eighth place in 1967 on the 100-yard on the dash, yeah. and there was 12 participants. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, you know, we're talking retirement, and I found this other, um, I don't know if you gave me this. I don't know where I got this, but I have the U.S. News says, you know, don't despair. If you're a little bit late to the party, you know, I'm going to give you some ideas to really beef up your retirement account. Okay. I like that. Okay. So it's like, all right, well, how do we beef this thing up, Al? Well, first of all, if you're in your 50s and 60s and you don't have anything saved, there's probably a reason for it. But this is U.S. News and World Report. This is their advice um, to you. Number one, stop spending so much. Okay. It's like, really? These articles, they just really dive deep. They just come up with great solutions. This is how you beef up your retirement. Stop spending. Okay. All right. So that's like uh, getting healthy. Exercise. Exercise. Okay. Check. Check. Done. All right. Um, Take advantage of catch-up contributions. Okay. This is interesting, though, because I think a lot of times with 401k plans that they do have the catch-up contribution, but you have to elect to do it. Because $18,000 is the maximum allowable for a 401k plan through your employer. However, if you're over 50, there is a catch-up provision with an extra 5500 bucks, right? Or $6,000. $6,000, yeah. So now you get up to 24000 bucks. But you might have to elect to do the catch-up if you're over 50, even though you want to max out the plan. Right, that is true. That's that's actually true of our plan at Pure Financial, and it's a if if you look at and you probably have this too. You look at your pay stub, and it has the regular four hundred one k, but then it has the catch up four hundred one k. And if you have not elected to have any percent of your pay for the catch up, it's going to stop at that eighteen thousand, even though you want twenty four thousand withheld. Yeah, and a catch up is nothing different. It's not a different investment. Yeah, you know? it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It just allows you to put more, to put more money in. into yeah. it. It's just, it's just, I guess, the way a lot of payroll companies do it is they treat it in kind of a separate bucket, if you will. Right. And so sometimes they're like, well, no, I'm just, I'm doing the catch-up, but I'm not doing the normal one. Right, because it's, it earns more. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> now it goes in your 401k, and it yes. goes however you decide to invest it. Yes. I right. don't care whether it's the regular or ketchup. It's the same. It's the same, same, same. Also, they changed the rules on this many, many years ago. It's not a percentage of income for a 401k plan. It's dollar for dollar. So it's like, yeah, I'm maxing my plan out. Well, you're only putting $12,000 in. Well, no, I'm putting you know 20% of my income. That's the most you can do. Well, yeah, no, you can put $24,000. Well, are you sure? <laughs> well, no. Is it a top-heavy plan, or you work for a small company? No, you work for General Motors. Right. You can put twenty-four thousand dollars in. Right. Um, open a spousal IRA. Al, this is kind of cool too. Yes, I agree with that. Where a spousal IRA works like this is that let's say your spouse is working and you're not working, or vice versa. As long as there's earned income, the non-working spouse can still contribute to a retirement account. Right. So that's pretty cool. So if, let's say, hey, I want to put some money into a Roth IRA. All right, well, my wife's working, I'm retired, or maybe I'm laid off, or whatever, and we have some money that we want to continue to save. Just because I'm not working, that doesn't mean I can't save into the plan as long as I'm married and my spouse is working. Both spouses can contribute to the plan. Also, they can contribute, you can contribute to a retire, an IRA account, even though you maxed out your 401k. True. So if you have a 401k plan, 
You put in the 18,000, you put in the ketchup, right? Another 6,000 bucks, you could still put in another $5,500 into an IRA or another $1,000 on top of that if you're over 50, 6,500 bucks um, into a Roth IRA or IRA, whatever your choice is, um, depending on what your circumstances are. But the, the point is, is that you can still contribute to a retirement account even though you have a 401k. Yeah, and how about this one? You set up a side business that's profitable. You can also set a SEP IRA, SEP IRA up as well. So the can, maximum allowable for a defined contribution plan is 52000 bucks. Yes, unless you're over 50 and you have a 401k plan, that's 59000 because of the $6,000 catch-up. Catch-up, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you can do, but most people, no, I'm, I'm maxing it out. Great. <laughs> I got twelve grand in it. No, you can put more. So um, how about uh, invest your money more aggressively? That's another point. Okay. You got to be careful there. You know, when sure you're you pretty do. close to retirement, you want to make sure that you have the right balance. And this is what drives me nuts too. How our firm looks at investing, okay, it has nothing to do with the client's risk tolerance in a sense. It is the demand, the need for the overall portfolio, what it needs to do to create the retirement income. And we, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like here, oh, well, what is your, here, fill out this five um, questionnaire. If the market goes down, how do you feel? I feel like crap. <laughs> When the market right. goes up, how do you feel? I feel great. Okay, well, here you go. You should be 80% equities, 20% bonds, and let's here's the paperwork. Right. right? No, that's because nonsense. You, because you got a score of 26 on our, on our thing. Uh, yes, you, yes, so that means this is the portfolio for you. No, you have to do financial planning. You have to take a look at what is the income coming in, what's the expenses going out, how much money needs to come from the overall portfolio. If you're pulling out more than 5 or 6% of the portfolio, it's like, no, you cannot retire. You have to reduce your spending. You have to work long. We have to figure something out. It's not like here, let's make a high octane portfolio for you to try to get nine percent, you know, to get you a six percent distribution rate. It doesn't work that way. You'll run out of money. It's looking at okay, well, let's say your distribution rate is two or three percent. Then you formulate a portfolio based on that income need, right? Sure. It is. Um, it's it, then you're looking at the science behind the numbers to get the right portfolio that's specific towards the individual versus asking a couple of questions how they feel about volatility. Well, and we often talk about investing uh, should be towards your own goals. And that's what that means. What that means is what do you want to spend? What sort of portfolio do you have? What rate of return do you need? All right. Well, that's that's your goals. Maybe you want to set aside some for a vacation home or motor home or whatever. Then you pull that out. What do you got left and what, what kind of need? All right. I need, as you said, Joe, 2 or 3% rate of return. All right. Well, then let's devise a portfolio to create that with a little buffer, with a little cushion, of course. But why shoot for a 15% rate of return? If all you need is three, you're just going to be taking a lot more risk. It's going to be a lot more volatile. You're going to be a lot more upset because this thing's going to be like a roller coaster. Right. Well, you, you want a, a pension plan. Let's say for all you teachers out there, Kelsters, right? It's not like you're going to go into the pension, you know, the guys that or gals that are running the pension and say, here's my here's my temperament for risk. They're going to say, get out of my, I don't care. We're running this pension to provide a certain rate of return for the pension to get the income that we need, right? And so that's how you should look at it because then you get a lot more discipline in the approach. It's more scientific in a sense versus kind of a, a, a emotion-based because when it comes to emotion-based, you know what happens. Uh, a couple of others is buy real estate. Um, Big Al's been a real estate investor for, what, 25 years or so, 30 yep. years? Yeah, um, yeah, 30 years this year. And uh, consider a reverse mortgage. Um, reverse mortgages have come a long way. I think we might get an, um, an expert or something like that on reverse mortgages here in the next um, 
couple weeks or so just to talk about some different things. Yeah, I would agree with you, Joe. They are, and of course, we don't sell them, so we can be real honest here. I, I think they've come a long ways. The, the reverse mortgages of maybe 10 years ago, I would say most of them were terrible. They, you could have one spouse pass away and the other spouse gets kicked out of their home, right? All kinds of weird stuff could happen, but now they've, they've solved a lot of those problems, and, and you know, we don't necessarily recommend it in, in any case or even many cases, but it is something worth looking at, particularly if you've got a lot of home equity. Absolutely. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth.